my mask in my pocket. Good morning, Hope Point. You can't see anyone smiling, but I trust underneath those masks are happy faces and smiles looking at me. Did we all enjoy Gwen last week? Hey. Well, we've got a new series starting. I was trying to think of a title. I might make it this one. There's a little book down the back that says, Making Jesus Known. It's about being his witnesses. But, um, <clears throat> you know, Gwen shared last week about two distinct works that the Holy Spirit um, does in our lives. It was great to spend that month on the Spirit of God, wasn't it? Did you enjoy that? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I find every time uh, you just focus on him, I think it's just refreshing and it needs to happen uh, often. And Gwen talked about there's two distinct works of the Spirit and in, 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 in our lives, first there's a work that's in us, isn't there? He's doing a work in us, like Shane was saying, that great exchange. Uh, he's transforming us from the inside out. He comes and makes residence in our lives. We have this experience when we come to faith in Jesus, when we hear the gospel, when we put our trust in Jesus, when the work of the cross, we identify with that and we say, I need, I need you, Jesus. I'm a sinner and I need, need you. When the Spirit of God comes into our hearts, we, 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 we are born again. It's like a light comes on. It's like something that was once dead comes alive. It was so good to sing those songs today, wasn't it? Didn't you love that new song, Nothing is Better Than You? Nothing is better. Nothing is better than Jesus. What came back to my mind was driving in my car when I was first saved and filled with the Spirit and uh, just enjoying the presence of God. And I just loved um, just the joy just the sheer joy of knowing the Lord and that river of life that was running in my heart. And I, that was the kind of thought that was going through my mind. Nothing is better than this. If I can be like this for the rest of my life, I am sold. This is it, you know. So it's that great exchange from the inside out. He writes his laws in our heart. Shane talked about the law today. We can't keep the law in our own strength, but he writes it in our heart by his spirit. And there's something inside us begins to change and we're inclined we're sort of motivated, we're changed, where there's a power inside of us that wants to do the right thing. Before, we had to kind of struggle and fight to do the wrong thing, but something begins to change in our hearts. We are, by his spirit, empowered to do right. You know, I just find that so, so good. We, I was a Catholic boy. I probably, as a little kid, wanted to do right, and it was a struggle. But when I met Jesus and I got born again, there was a power inside and I wanted to do right. In fact, more than wanted to do right, there's something within us that drives us to want to be more like Jesus. That's the power of the Spirit of God. Comes into our heart. We want to be like him. We want to be changed into his image. Changed from glory to glory by the Spirit of God. We want to mature. He's taking us forward. I'm just going to drink this. But there's a second work. There's a second work that the Spirit does, and it's a work through us. And that's where I want to link into today and to this month to talk about us being his witnesses, making Jesus known. 
This is the verse. And this is the verse that links the Holy Spirit, all we've talked about in the last month, to uh, the next thought about our purpose. This is what Jesus said. You will receive power in Acts 1.8 when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Do you feel like there's power on you this morning? Yeah, there's power on us. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. That is riveting. That is such, I mean, I think we need to get with the program. I think, you know, I think this is what we're signed up for. This is what we're empowered for. The Spirit of God has come into our life to empower us for a purpose. Um, every time we talk about the Spirit, we head off to the book of Acts. So I'm going to head into the book of Acts because, um, you know, Acts is just an exciting book. Uh, I don't know about you. Who enjoys reading Acts? Who, enjoy, who has read Acts in the last month? Who's read something in Acts? Pentecostals kind of hang out in Acts. It's the story of the first, the first 30 years of the church. It's such a great book. You read it and you feel like this is out of this world. This is supernatural. Um, and yet it's true. Everything we read in there is history, true, happen, fact, and uh, it is not some little event that happened for a time. We are in the same uh, age, the same plan, the same agenda that God has got. It's a narrative that is of the work of the Holy Spirit, this second work that is through us, that's through the church. He's empowering the church to accomplish his mission. And his mission was what he had in Acts 1.8, where he said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You know, you look at the storyline all through Acts, it moves from Jerusalem to Rome, doesn't it? It's just this, it's this agenda that God's got and it confirms the agenda that's set by Jesus. The first 10 years are all set in Jerusalem, you know, it's all around there and it's all around uh, Peter and it just sort of starts to tip into Judea and some area. And it takes about 10 years for Peter to catch on that the agenda is to go beyond Jerusalem. You know, it takes him a little bit of time to get out of their own little uh, nation and it sort of starts to shift. The whole storyline starts to shift to this guy, Paul. Paul, who's fighting against the church, gets saved, gets born again, gets filled, gets filled, filled, filled with the Spirit. He's got a call of God on his life and he starts to take the good news to the Gentiles as well. And it all heads out of Israel. And all, you know, it goes down to places like uh, Antioch and Greece and heads all the way to Europe, heads all the way to the empire's capital in Rome. And it ends with Paul there preaching right in the heart of the empire. I mean, this is the agenda that God's got. And this is uh, what he's doing. The Holy Spirit uh, has not changed his purpose. He's still empowering us 
one to be changed, to be like Jesus is working on the inside and working out, but he's wanting to work through us. He's got an agenda in mind and it's not changed and it's to go to the ends of the earth and be his witnesses. I just think that's, that's what we're here for. That's what we're about. That's why, you know, what makes Acts a bestseller, you know? When was the last time you read Leviticus, you know? How often do you read Job, you know? I like Job, but I like hanging out in Acts. I sort of feel it's relevant to us. It's relevant to what's happening, what God wants to do. The Holy Spirit, so at every turn in that book, uh, he's steering the show. At every turn, at every turning point in the book of Acts, he's the one that sets the direction. I'll tell you what's in that little book. Miracles. Angels. Anyone seen an angel in the last seven days? Last month? I mean, let's lift our expectation a little. Visions. Signs and wonders. Deliverances. Ever seen a deliverance? I tell you, I think I'm a deliverance. I remember when I got set free of drugs, got filled with the Spirit, I feel I got delivered. Resurrections are in Acts. Prophecies, tongues, earthquakes to even break chains. That's a good answer to prayer. Start to pray and uh, you're in jail and your opposition's against you. Um, You know, how much opposition we had in the last week about our faith. Put on a mask, you know. But uh, anyway, we're here. The Holy Spirit is the driving force in this expansion. And he's directing, he's speaking, and he guides. The interesting thing that I find really good in Acts is that nothing can stop what's happening. Nothing can stop this movement. The Jewish rulers, they get upset and get threatened by everybody starting to turn to Jesus, and uh, you get this guy, a Pharisee guy named Gamaliel, who was um, very renowned in his day. This is what his words were. You will not be able to stop these men, for you will only find yourselves fighting against God. What's happening is, is, is God's agenda, God's plan, God's mission, God's call on our lives to go to the ends of the earth. That is what's happening, and it cannot be stopped. Saul tried to stop it. Probably the most passionate, most zealous Pharisee, the most scholared, you know, the, the one with the most grunt, the most drive, he gets saved. He gets turned around, and he starts to join the cause. Um, even Pete, Peter's Jewish bias that feels like this should just be contained to the Jews... He starts getting visions and he, and, he, and he starts to shift and realise that this has got to go to the ends of the earth. And his own words were, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? You know, it's just on, it's on. Herod, he tries to stop it. He gets eaten by worms. You know, I, I, I don't think we want to stop this. We don't want to stop this agenda. But the word of God, it says continued to increase and spread. What was happening, what God was doing, is spreading and increasing. Not even as the church grew 
and opposition in the church, religious opposition to the move of the Spirit and to the move of God, even that could not stop what God was doing. Not ship, ship, shipwrecks couldn't stop it, not snakes, not even the power of Rome could stop what God was doing. And it all ends up at the end of the book of Acts with Paul boldly preaching the gospel in Rome. You know, don't we long to see greater Holy Spirit activity in the church today? Is that what you long for? Do we all long for that? You know, this is what was on my heart. You know, we spend a month and we talk about the whole Holy Spirit. Do we just, how is that going to happen? Are we not part of this same movement that cannot be stopped? Let me see. Are we part of it? Are, are, are we in? Have, have we signed up for this agenda? Um, I've heard plenty of stories. Ories, and I've experienced enough to know that signs and wonders, the move of the Spirit is still on the menu. It's not, it's still cooking in the kitchen, you know, it's still being served. Um, Shane, 42 years. I'm just about to hit 40, Shane. I need to salute you. But um, even in my, I've seen enough in my 40 years to know that it's still in the kitchen, it's still being cooked, that it happens, that it is for today. But my experience over the last 40 years is not a shade on what happens in Acts in, the, in a short period of 30 years. Why did it happen there more? That was my question that I asked myself. We, you know, and uh, what is missing? We have the Holy Spirit, do we? Who, who here has been baptised in the Holy Spirit, speaks in tongues, filled with him? You know, heaps of us. We're Pentecostal. Is his presence here? I worship today. I don't know about you. I stood there, I tell you. I felt his presence. He's here. I felt the Spirit of God. He is amongst us. He's here. Now, I could say, you know, what is the disconnect here? Maybe the first thing I could say on one hand, it's simple. Uh, such supernatural events are the sovereignty of God and he has seasons and he has times. I mean, that's, that, that's scriptural. He visitations happen. Um, but I could feel a bit like, who's ever seen Fiddler on the Roof? You ever seen that film? I don't know who's seen that. He's like, you know, on the one hand, He's this Jewish guy, he talks like a Jew, you know. On one hand, God does this. On one hand, God does this, you know. I can't sort of resolve the tension. Um, but on the other hand, I just feel that's, that, that rationale does, just doesn't cut through because I've seen, I've seen enough. I've seen a taste of what he can do. What's missing? What could be missing... Um, Maybe it's in the book of Acts as well. That's what I started to think. And uh, I'd just like to pick up in Acts 3. I'm just going to spend a little bit of time. I'm going to labour a point and just want you to stay with me. Just in, if you've got your Bibles there, you can read in Acts 3 and just follow along. I won't read the whole thing. I'll just pick up parts. But it, it is the uh, early weeks of the Spirit of God being out, outpoured. 
And Peter and John head off to the temple, you know. They just head off. That's where they're going. And there's a lame man there. He's lame from birth. And he's been carried to a place at a spot where he daily sat at the temple gate to beg. Okay, that is the story. And this guy asks, as he would, anyone else coming in, he asks for alms from Peter and John. And it says, they fix their gaze on him and say, look at us. And Peter says these great words, we just love them. I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. I mean, maybe we got more of the silver and gold, but not so much of the rise up and walk, you know? But uh, I'm looking for the rise up and walk. Are you looking for the rise up and walk? And um, this guy leaps up, he's healed, begins to walk, then goes walking and leaping into the temple. The place explodes. Peter seizes his opportunity. He's got a plat. He 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 he's got a platform, and this guy begins to preach. I mean, talk about preaching. He says, "Men of is is Israel, why do you wonder at this, or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety?" We have made him walk. He goes on to tell them, he says, you have denied the whole holy and and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to, uh, to, to, to you. This guy just gets incredibly bold. This guy that a few weeks ago was in fear and intimidated around a little fire by some little girl. Absolutely in fear, denies the Lord. Now he's, you know, he was in, in a room with a whole crowd in fear. Now he's filled with the Spirit. Now he's in the temple, seen, he's declared to a guy to rise up and walk, and he's starting to preach. I mean, he's bold. He talks about, you denied him. He said, you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. You know, he's declaring what he's seen and heard. He goes on to say, Repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. Goes on into Acts 4. Peter's preaching just becomes so penetrating. It talks about there's 5,000 men who heard the word and believed. 5,000 men. They reckon in the city... They could have been, in a whole city of Jerusalem in that day, the amount of men could have been as low as 25,000. Maybe at the most, about 80, they're saying. I mean, that's a fair percentage of a whole city turning to faith and turning from their sins through one man's bold preaching. I tell you, you know, all because a lame man got, got healed. It's a threat to the establishment, and these guys get arrested and thrown into prison. The next, the next, the next day, the rulers and the scribes and the elders, they gather, it says, to grill Peter and John. And Peter's uh, preaching just gets hotter. It just gets stronger. You know, it's just a great story. It's just such a fantastic Start and this is the assessment 
of what it was like. This is what they said. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. Absolutely astonished. These were just ordinary guys. These, these were fishermen. But something had happened to them. They had been empowered and uh, the Spirit of God had come upon them, not just to do a work in them, but to do a work through, through them. And uh, they recognised that they'd been with Jesus. Simple as that. The council, it says, goes on to say they released them on the condition, just one thing you've got to do, guys, no longer speech or teach at all in the name of Jesus. And their reply... We cannot but speak of what we've seen and heard. You cannot stop this. You cannot stop this. And you cannot stop us. Um, they let them go unpunished because of the crowd. There's a big crowd there got saved. There's a big crowd that saw this lame guy get healed. There's a lot of talk around the city. They're a bit scared to sort of push this thing too far. Let's get, get the problem out of the room. And you guys don't talk anymore, but they said, we're not going to stop. And they head back, and this is where I want to get to the text that I want to head towards. It says, they head back to the believers, and they recount what's happened. And everybody, what do they start doing? They start praying. And they, you know, it goes on to say in Acts 4 there, they identify what was going on. They actually, in verse... Chapter 4, verse 25, 26, they, they start to think back being Jew, good Jewish boys to Psalm 2, where it says, Why do the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. They think, hey, you know, this is just, we are in the midst of fulfilling prophecy. We're in the midst of fulfilling what God has planned uh, you know, they realise they're smack bang right in the middle of the program that God's got and the agenda he's got. Um, then comes this prayer in verse 29. I just want to read this prayer because this is what began to excite me. It says, And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to, conti to, conti to continue. They're not going to stop. To speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders and performed are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Hallelujah. You know, that is just so good, isn't it? Isn't that good? These guys were, what were they doing? They were out witnessing. They were out declaring the, the uh, gospel. They were sharing the good news that Jesus had died for their sins. He's risen from the dead and there was an answer for them. You know, that, that the Messiah had arrived that everything that was spoken about in the law of the prophets had been fulfilled and there was, you know, their, their, their hope was here. They were just on fire to witness. These guys were on mission. 
They prayed for one thing. They didn't pray, Lord, help us, help us, get us out of trouble, you know. They prayed, make us more bold to proclaim your word, you know. Um, the Holy Spirit's work through us is to empower us to be his witnesses. You know, we've, we want the Spirit of God, but there's an agenda attached. There's an agenda attached. There's a program that's got to be signed up for. You want to see this? Get with the program. You know, that's what was exciting me. It says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. A people that are filled with the Holy Spirit are filled for a purpose, to be his witnesses, to be on mission. God has an agenda that this salvation is proclaimed to the ends of the earth. I just think, what, what a great little phrase, to the ends of the earth. That's a good cause to sign up for, isn't it? Isn't that something exciting? You know, I was thinking when we were singing some of those songs before and worshipping, I thought, you know, what, you know, what is greater than to something you can give your life for? Something that, like Shane said, 42 years I've signed up for this. You know, we want to sign up for something exciting. You know, stuff happens when we get with the agenda. In Matthew 28, when Jesus said this commission to his disciples, he said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You know, here's a specific promise for his presence. You want his presence? Who's looking for his presence? The manifest presence of Jesus. And where is it embedded? In the preaching of the gospel. In uh, that, I mean, I was reading... Um, I thought, it's, this is the big picture. You want the big picture? It's preaching the gospel to the ends of the earth. You know, even earth's clock, even the clock of, you know, we are in one age and there's an age to come. You want to know when the clock ticks across? It's at one point. It says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. You know, that's, when, that's where the clock's set. Um, the message is we've got to keep the main thing the main thing. I thought the DNA of every healthy church has to be and is a fire to preach the gospel, isn't it? Um, I started to think back when I first came to this church. You know, I tell you, there was always joy about salvation. You know, I was probably just saved and I came when I was 22 and there was a lot of young adults here. Probably the church was a whole church of young adults and a few older people. We were all maybe in our 20s or a little bit starting to go into our 30s. This is when I came. There was an odd older married couple, you know, like Sarah and Stuart, you know. Uh, there, was a few, there was a few oldies like that that were in there. They weren't quite as old as Ben and Rach, but uh, they were a bit older. They had the, maybe there were some kids around. 
But they were hungry. We were hung, hungry for God. Appetite for his presence. Plenty of prayer. But everyday life was just routine in one sense, just going to your jobs by day, fellowship by night. But the common thing that was being shared was about who we were sharing with at work. The common thread in the prayers was, can we pray for this guy that's, that's in, in my work, workplace? I remember Era being a teacher and people got saved there. I mean, the stories, I mean... Uh, Debbie, my wife, got saved because someone was in her workplace from this church that preached the gospel, that shined. And that girl, Susie, was um, led to the Lord, I think, or met by Gwen. You know what I mean? There was this, this chain reaction going on of this uh, desire to be on fire for God, to share their faith and to pray for those that were in their world. It was pretty simple. Pretty simple way to grow church, just get with the agenda. And the other thing, I guess, was just to be bold. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished and they recognised that they'd been with Jesus. Think back when you first got saved. I don't know, maybe we've all got different experiences, but think about that first six months you probably needed locking up. You were, you were a little bit wild. I remember going knocking on the door of every close friend I had and I felt like obviously what's happened to me must be just absolutely exploding out of me. I, I must look different or I know it's real and I wanted to tell them what Jesus had done for me. I just wanted to tell my story. I wanted to tell them God's story. I wanted them to come to know him. There was, that's what happens when the Spirit of God comes on our life. He starts to change us from the inside out. He wants to make us in, in the image of Christ, but he's also wanting to do a work through us. He's got an agenda. Um, that's my point. That is my, really my point, that in this whole thing in Acts 4, it says, you know, when they uh, were released and they gathered to pray, they gathered to pray for more boldness to preach, and they said, now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to, continue, uh, to, to grant to us to be bold that we can keep speaking the word with all boldness. And the prayer gets answered and the place that they're in gets shaken. I would like this church to get shaken. Would you? I would like to be in a, in a meeting where the worship was great. Uh, I, I love the sense of God. I love that. I love it when we worship and I know God's here. He's speaking to me. I felt he was speaking to me today. I felt little things were dropping into my heart. I love that. I love that. But I would love to see it so strong that it's shaking. But something in me feels it, it's not going to shake until we're really in line with the agenda when we're on mission, when we're witnessing for him, where we're gathering, we're praying for souls, where our heart is for kabulcha. That's what, that's what we've signed up for. That's what makes us burn. That's what's challenging me. That's what I feel. Let's do a series on the Spirit of God, but let's talk about getting with the agenda. And, you know, they are not two separate things. They're not, they are two sides of the one coin.
They are something that the Spirit of God does. He comes into our life. He calls us to be different. He, he writes his laws in our hearts. He makes us new. We start changing. I, it's so good to change. It's so good to, to know that we can have the power of God come on us and we can be different. We can be like Jesus. Sin does not have to reign over us. We can live in victory. And, you know, that whole thing I just love. I want to be like him more. I don't want to hang around things that are going to drag, drag, drag me back. I want my life to change. But as well as that, I've signed up for a cause and I'm looking for the Spirit of God to empower us for all he has. The amazing thing is, is when we step out, he emboldens us, doesn't he? You Think about the times where you step out to share the gospel. Now, I'm preaching to me as much as anyone else here. I am not good at this. I am not, you know, I, I realise this needs to be stirred. I know, but I know when I get there and you start to share, isn't God present there and something special? Isn't it like suddenly he's there, you know? That's because that's his agenda. That's what he's here for. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. A couple of weeks ago I shared I was doing a, a, a sing shift and I was with this little old woman about 90 or something and I was feeding her and I felt like I began to engage with her. I really sensed the spirit of God there. I sensed he wanted me to do something. I don't know quite what I was to do. I just felt like this woman was eaten out of my hand, so to speak. Somehow there was a connection. I don't know. I think it was the Spirit of God was there. She, she hadn't talked to some other staff and she was starting to just chat to me. And I thought, God, I've got to share with this woman. I, I feel a bit discouraged that I didn't do more. You know, I wasn't sure what to do. But we've got to get bolder, haven't we? We've got to get bolder. We've got to step into that space where we proclaim the gospel. I'm not saying I was going to go weird and you know, do something, but I could just, I should have told her that Jesus loves her, you know, not supposed to do that at work, I don't know. These guys in this book, they, they weren't going to be shut up, you know what I mean? There's got to be something that steps out. A few months ago, Debbie and I bought um, a house to, for, uh, that we were going to rent out, but the best part of it was, was the real estate sale, sale, salesman. This door opened up to really share the gospel. We had such a great time. You know, I sensed God so there and his love for this man. Um, you know, we've got to do more of this. We've got to step into the spaces where we're sharing our faith. I remember a few years ago riding my bike. You know, Shane was saying about bike riding. I'm not riding as much as Shane, nowhere near that. But uh, I'd like to do more. But anyway, I was riding my bike one day and I'm riding past this guy that I just felt my heart go out to him. I felt like, It was a bit like I'm in my little room on my bike with my headset going and enjoying worship and tapes. I'm in my little cocoon with God. I'm enjoying God. But God's wanting me to turn my bike around and go talk to this guy. That's, I feel like God's got something to say to him. You know, and I, I, I made the step to turn around and I went and talked with him. And, you know, I opened up and he was really soft. But you know what I should have said, can I pray for you? I should have said that, you know. I don't know what would have happened next. Um, when we gather, do we gather enough? Do we gather enough to pray and to ask to be bold? Do our prayers include, God, give me boldness. 
Make me bold. Grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. God, give us boldness. Every one of us, make us more bold. And it's not just about waiting in a room somewhere for it to come on you. It comes on you when you step out. It's like everything in faith. When, when we step out in faith, God steps in in power. You know, we've got we've to step out more. I'm preaching to me as much as to anyone else. I thought about Paul's prayer. Listen to Paul. He often had this prayer. He said, pray for us that God may open a door for the word. You know, is that a regular prayer? God, open a door for me today. That was a regular prayer uh, when I was younger in a church. It was commonly prayed. Lord, open a door that I can preach to this guy, that I can share more. You know, that's got to be the cry of our heart. It's not a complicated thing, is it? We simply need to be born again and we just need to testify what we've seen and heard. We've all experienced something. We've experienced salvation. We've experienced being born again. Um, we've got a story to tell. It's, it's maybe the little story in this whole big story that we read in here. But we've got to tell our little story. When we tell our little story, it'll open a door for us to tell the big story. That's, that's sometimes all we've got to do. That's the thing that people want to hear. That's the thing that's powerful is our own story. Think about every time Paul in Acts was caught up with somewhere where he had a platform to preach. Where did he start? He began with, you know, this is what happened to me. I, I was this, this happened to me and he got saved. You know, we've all got a story. Let's tell our story. We've got to tell somebody. And when, you know, preaching the gospel is, is actually verbal. It takes words. Remember the old saying, Francis of Assisi, I don't know if it was him, but they ascribe this saying to him. It says, preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words. Well, you know, that's not really, that's not really correct. You have to use words. You know, it is a good thing that you adorn the gospel. It is a really good thing that you're not the stumbling block to someone coming to faith. It's really good that our lives are consistent with what the gospel's about. It really helps to make it attractive. It doesn't become a barrier. But the gospel is communicated with words. Paul said, how can they call on the one they have not believed in? That's a question. How can they call on him? on the one they've not believed in? And how can they believe in the one that they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? We've got to tell somebody. We've got to tell his story. We've just got to tell our story. And we've just got to be bold. I mean, it's not rocket science. And what happens? It says, then God will stretch out his hand to heal and perform and there'll be signs and wonders. I tell you what, the spiritual activity of the church would just keep rising and rising and rising because that's where the power's coming for. It's not coming for us to indulge ourselves. And yet God wants to refresh us, he wants to renew us, but he's always got an agenda, he's always got a purpose. 
Bonke, um, I love reading his little sayings. He says, we're not meant to be waiting for revival. Revival follows the preaching of the gospel. You know, we've got to be on God's agenda. Um, go can mean packing your bags and heading off to a far land, but it can also mean, you know, that go into all the world or something. It can also mean as you go. In our everyday life, in our everyday living, we should be on mission. Few of us will probably be missionaries. It'd be good if there were a few. would be good, you know. It would be really good if somebody gets a call to go on the mission field. We will send you out. We will bless you. We will back you. Um, but we're all called to be on mission. God's plan for humanity... In fact, God's plan for Kabulcha, God's plan, is going to be fulfilled through the church. Not just this church, every church, his church. But it's going to be fulfilled through us and it's going to take boldness. So boldness is the thing I'm pushing. But the other thing that was coming to my mind with all this was hospitality. I just want to share this as I... Get to a close. I reckon hospitality could be the most effective conduit for mission. Um, what is that? It's shown to strangers, which means people that maybe are not like us. It says giving loving welcome to those outside your circle of friends. It says opening your life and your home to those different to you. Uh, we have a little lovely catchphrase as you come in the door. Hope Point, home for you. Really sort of sounds well, doesn't it? Nice little tag, nice little catchy phrase. Well, it has to be more than a catchy phrase, doesn't it? It has to be, that has to be us. That has to be us that we're welcoming. We're welcoming to new people. Jesus loved the outsider. He was the friend of sinners. He ate with tax collectors and sinners. And love demands that we move outside of our comfort zone. This church was birthed by a retired couple opening their home to people that were not like them. That was, that was what began the church. I think Gwen might have been the first one to come into their home. Aren't, aren't, aren't we blessed to have the first member Still with us? Let's give Gwen a big wave. <laughs> but that happened because I certainly was not like Bert when I arrived. Bert was a hard-working farmer, diligent, had his life all together in all that realm. I was a lazy, pot-smoking uni student who was better equipped to sit in armchairs in a cafe and solve the problems of the world, you know? But... Uh, and it was, you know, but they opened their lives to people that were different and they got involved with us. You know, I was, um, I was reading, I, I, I was in the kitchen the other day and um, I was thinking, Lord, I just want a verse, I just want a verse. Something, is there something you want to say to me? And I can remember it. I remember putting the plates in the cupboard and he said this to me. It's out of, it sort of fits with all this. And it was, 
Enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your habitation be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left and your offspring will possess the nations and will people the, desert city, the desolate cities. But the little bit that came to me was stretch out. You know, if we're going to do anything for God, if we're going to see God move, if we're going to get with his agenda, if we're going to be used by God, it's going to take stretching. You know, we have to be ready to enlarge the place of our tent and let the curtains of our habitation get a little bit stretched. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. We need to be hospitable. The number one reason why people still come to church, it says, is because somebody invited me. We got a nice church. I think we got a nice church. Do you think we got a nice church, Carol? You think we got a nice church? Um, Steve, what do you think? You're new, Steve. You like the church? Yeah, yeah. What do you think, Tash? Tash is getting bap- baptized next week. I think it's she's signing up for something good. What do you think, Josh? We got a good church? Would you like to invite someone? Josh does. Yeah, yeah. We we got a great cafe. Doesn't Shane make great coffee? Haven't we got a great kids' church? Hey, isn't it good out there? Kids are blessed. We got so much. Let's share it. Let's invite someone to church. Why do we not invite people? Perhaps it's just a simple fear of rejection. Let's get a little bit more bold. Our responsibility is the invitation, not the response. And if you have a little bit of struggle with that boldness gap, we've got a few things going. We've got Alpha. I don't know if John's here today. I'm not looking everywhere. John is running Alpha starts next Sunday, no, Sunday night week on the 18th. That's going to run. You know, it's around a meal. It's nice here at the church. Cozy, friendly, good people. Invite someone to Alpha. Carol's got life keys going. There's courses going. There's woman to woman in a few few weeks. I don't know if there's still room for more, but yeah, still room for a little more. There's things you can invite people to. Carol was saying to me that there's two new people to our church doing it that are inviting people that don't come to our church. Isn't that how it's meant to work? Isn't that how it's meant to work that we tell somebody, we invite somebody, and we be hospitable and we get a little bolder and, uh, you know, the place just starts to shake. I think that's really good. I'm going to finish with a couple of quotes just to sort of punch these things out. It says, Until the future of the world matters more to the church than the future of the church, the church has no future. Isn't that a good quote? You want me to read it again? Just, I can't see your responses. You've got masks on. So I'll just go ahead. Until the future of the church matters more to the church. Sorry. Until the future of the world matters more to the church than the future of the church, the church has no future. This is an old one. The church is the only institution that primarily exists for the benefit of those who are not its members. We have to get with the agenda. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Here's my last quote. We exist to make Jesus known 
to our world through the power of the gospel and therefore will not allow passivity, unbelief, religion or any other barrier to hinder us in this pursuit. Signed, Hope Point. So there we go. I think that's a good quote. Who's been challenged? I've been challenged this week. I just wonder if we stand. Maybe we could sing a song. Maybe nothing better than this. Have we still got the band here? I don't know. But uh, have we? Yeah, come on up and sing, guys. Let's finish with a song. And if you've been challenged, if the Holy Spirit has spoken to you today, if you feel you want to renew your commitment to being a witness for Jesus, if you want more boldness, you want more courage, maybe just come out. Let's just have a final song. It might not fit with, quite with what I've preached, but let's just engage with it and let's just call out to God. Let's just say, God, I want to sign up for this. I want to get with the program. I want to get with the agenda. I want to be a witness for you and I need more boldness. I need to tell my neighbour. I need to tell my work friends. I need to pray. I don't want to be... I, I, I want to be wise. I want to do it right. But I want a door. God, give me a door. Let's be prayers for that. Let's be looking for God to open up a door. And let's pour out, pour out your love into my heart, God. Pour out your love for people. Because he came to seek and to save that which was lost. Let's be hospitable. Let's let ourselves, let God stretch us a little bit more. We can do more. We, you know, as you stretch and enlarge the tent, you grow with it. You know, we think we've only got so much capacity. But when we stretch, when the Holy Spirit comes upon, 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 upon us, we'll be surprised how much we can do for God. Let's sing nothing. There's nothing better than you. Just 